Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by financial ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the China Shop. Joining me today is the beloved and benevolent Brannigan Barrett, co-founder of Tradelo and CIO and founder of Habitus Capital. If you'd like to learn more about today's guest, go check out tradelo.com and see for yourself all the tools and supports that they offer for aspiring traders. And please feel free to reach out with your suggestions, corrections, questions for future guests. Today's guest comes a suggestion from our Discord. You can do that via email at tubals at financial ineptitude, or you can join our aforementioned free Discord server where all the cool kids gather to share their joys and miseries with other like-minded market aficionados. We'll have all those links in the episode description so you can peruse them at your convenience. Now that we got the business end out of the way, let's meet our guest. How are you doing today, Brannigan? Yeah, hey, Kyle. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, no doubt we're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, um, I got to ask you first off, uh, is there any connection between you and Zap Brannigan from Futurama? <laughs> or do you just get that joke a lot? Yeah, no, I get that joke a lot. That and uh, Commissioner Brannigan, who was very famous back in the day. Uh, it was a famous TV series. But yeah, no. Commissioner, no which, which show is that? Uh, it's something to do with a detective. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're in uh, you're in um, England, right? So no, currently I'm out in the Algarve in Portugal. So oh, okay. I was one of those sort of uh, COVID movers that got fed up of the big London city and decided to move to the coastline where the sun shines pretty much all year round. But there's a lot of expats in Portugal. There are a lot of them in Portugal, uh, predominantly up in Lisbon, um, mm-hmm. and. I mean, every day, you know, everyone's tipping the Algarve to become the Florida of Europe. Um, (laughs) I mean this when I say this, you get fed up of the sun shining all day, every day, blue skies. You kind of want a bit of rain every now and again. Um, But no, it's an an incredible country. The people are incredible. The culture is great. The food's great. Yeah, there's nothing bad I can say about it. (laughs) Get tired of the sun. Yeah, (laughs) I never had that problem when I lived in Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, How'd you get uh, into trading? So my story actually goes back to when I was, I'd say, probably 21. Um, And I I wouldn't say I was interested in the markets. I didn't know anything about the markets back then. You know, I'm, I'm born and bred South African. So we didn't have mobile and internet connections. That's not... You know, we were kind of running out outside and doing mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. Um, but I, I remember my dad sort of came home one day and said, look, you know, you know, what about considering 
stock trading? Like, you know, do you want to get into that? Do you want to learn about that? And he bought me, I'll never forget, it was a, it was a, a CD. And it was one of those mm. you put into the computer and then you did one of these kind of educational things where they, they teach you about the fundamentals of buying shares, basically. Okay. Um, and I, I think I probably watched the first half an hour of it and didn't care much for the rest of it. But I got the gist of it, which is you buy and sell stuff and you make money for doing relatively <laughs> um, yeah, that sounds about right yeah that's all you need to know right <laughs> well you know funny enough that's kind that was enough for me i then bought a book on spread trading mm-hmm. and i remember reading that back to front with a yellow highlighter i've still got that book um but i remember highlighting and going through it and, and really being specific about how do you trade spreads uh obviously spreads are tax-free so it was kind of interesting uh, and then i went to my dad and said look dad um can i have fifteen thousand rand and he said, you know, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm, I'm going to trade. I'm going to invest. I'm, I'm going to, I think I know what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, he gave me 15,000 Rand. And I, I started off like most traders did, which was, you know, when there were three green candles, I bought it. And when there were three red candles, I sold it. And mm-hmm. that was my strategy. And it worked very, very, very well initially until it stopped working. Um, and <laughs> I think how it went was, when I made money, it was kind of little increments. Okay, so I would sometimes go offside, but I wouldn't care. I'd be like, well, it comes back. Um, so I made little increments when I made money, but then there was those trades where you bought it. It didn't come back and it went a long way offside. You bought more, you double, tripled the position, and then you took those sort of those big, big drawdowns, those 10 to yeah. drawdowns that you never recover from when you have only small wins. Um, and look, eventually the count zeroed. Um, and then I went back to university and focused on my studies, as you do. <laughs> well, so it's interesting that your dad got you into it. Did he have any experience with trading? No, I, I, I don't think he had any experience, no. Um, I just think he thought I would be suited towards it. Uh, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I mean, I, I you know, majored in econometrics, so economics mm-hmm. and statistics. Um, and I, I think he thought I'd be interested in it. Um, I wasn't sure, uh, you know, I, it was yeah. once I had done the trading side of things that, uh, I then obviously started my CFA. So I went down the route of, you know, investment management and starting the CFA off, uh, you know, got through my level one, started the level two, and then I started working, um, never actually completed the CFA cause then I started working, um, making money. I was, uh, effectively, you know, a treasury hedging, um, you know, broker so what i would do is you know the big miners in south africa would phone in they would say look you know we've got a million dollars of exposure that's coming uh you know in over the next couple of months you know what can we do with it and then you apply forwards you apply swaps you take out options you effectively just manage the risk of that million dollar cash flow Hmm. um and that's what i did i did it for for 18 months and i loved it i think that was the real hook for me it was that sort of you know understanding and interpretation of the economy and what that could imply for the currency. Yeah, I was trading all the RAND crosses, so RAND against the euro, against the dollar, mm-hmm. you know, some of the African currencies, you know, the Aussie. Um, and because you're kind of always trying to assign some sort of a fundamental to what's driving uh, markets, that intrigued me. That sort of, can I use my understanding of what I believe are the fundamental drivers of our currency? Can I use that to make money for my clients? Um, and I got to a point where I, I thought I was pretty good at it that I sort of went to my, my line manager. I said, look, let me take the exposure on the positions of the clients. And, you know, if, uh, you know, we run a book and effectively, as long as I beat the market, uh, you mm-hmm. know, 50%, they keep 50%. Everyone wins. 
you have a high you know, watermark where they never lose effectively, so long as I'm not a complete idiot about it. And, and uh, <laughs> that was it. And the response I got back was, I'll never forget it. I had, the, I had a really great line manager. He was, he was someone I probably would have done very well to have through most of my career. But he said to me, mm-hmm. Branavain, because that was his nickname for me. He said, Branavain, we need to just keep it simple. Um, and I never forget that because I didn't agree with that. I was like, that makes no sense to me. Let me take on the speculation because I know I can beat it. Obviously, you know, I was young, naive, you know, right. I knew what I knew. Um, and so I think that triggered something inside of me to say, well, look, I don't, I don't want to keep doing this where I can't impose myself on the market, where I can't impose my, you know, sort of knowledge and understanding on the market. And I think that sort of, you know, created that question mark in my head. It's like you felt you had an edge, but you had no way to try to exploit it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I, I thought I knew something and I thought I, I needed an avenue to go and test it out. Yeah. Um, at that point, uh, I did, I'd been at the company for 18 months. Uh, I had to take leave. So I was forced to take leave because I had so much holiday. Uh, and so I decided <laughs> to go and do some diving. I've got all my commercial diving licenses. I went to go do some diving up in Scotland with my brother for his company. And uh, I thought just before I go back to South Africa, I'm going to pop down to London because, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I'd never really been to London. Now, coming from South Africa, we don't have cities. We don't have these big major, you know, 7 million, 8 million people cities with underground and all that. So, you know, just the idea really? of going to London was, I was like, that's so cool. I, I just want to go there. Uh, and then I thought, while I'm there, you know, I, let me just jokingly go and do an interview at uh, a, a trading firm. Yeah, so I went online, e-financial careers, trading firm, and I, I got a, a, a an interview where you do the tests. So I had to actually go into an office in London, sit down, do all the tests and all that. Uh, long story short, uh, got a call back the next day. Look, thank you. We really like your results. Can you come in for an interview? And I was like, sure, I can come in right now. And they said, unfortunately, the soonest we can do is next week. And I was like, well, it's either now or never because I'm going back to South Africa tonight. Yeah. And so the answer was never. And <laughs> didn't, didn't quite work. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, got on a plane, went to South Africa. And, and I'll never forget my pivot because I think it's an important pivot for, for many of your listeners perhaps that are, do have a full-time job and they are questioning when do they make that transition of wanting to become a full-time trader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what I did, I mean, I, I got back to work on the Monday and we always released on Mondays, I was in charge of, a, of an economic report, which mm-hmm. was where we would outline for our clients, you know, what our sort of forecast is over the coming week so that they could have a bit of understanding in terms of managing their cash flows as well. So I used to write this report. It would usually take me two to three hours, but because I hadn't been up to speed with things for the last you know, month almost, right. um, I remember distinctly it was quarter past 10 at night. And I was still sat at the office trying to get this thing out. And I hated every minute of it. And I just sat there. I remember sending it and getting it done. And I remember just saying, I don't want this anymore. I, I don't want to send people economic reports. I'm not an analyst. I'm not an you, economist. You got a taste of something different. And... It, exactly. Yeah, and I remember that feeling. I Yeah, I mean, I just um, typed up a letter that night there. And then literally the Monday after I got back on, on, on you know, from to work, typed up a letter and I said, look, um, boss, and I, I really respected my boss. So he, he, was an, he was an absolute legend. Mm-hmm. And I just said to him, I, I, I want something different. Uh, I'm resigning and, you know, I, I'm giving a, month, a month's notice. And kid you not, one month later on the 1st of September 2011, I had a bag in my hands and I landed in London with my life savings. And I thought, 
this is it, six months and I will be making money. I, you know, I don't have another option. I've sold everything I had in South Africa. I've told my mom and dad I'm, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm going to, to the big bad city of London. Uh, wow. and when was it? You said 2011? That was 2011, September the 1st. Um, and yeah. London was not a cheap city then. <laughs> <laughs> My life savings was just shy of 2000 sterling. Now, again, that doesn't sound like a lot to many of your listeners, but you got to remember I was coming from South Africa where mm-hmm. that was a significant you know, amount of money for a 25-year-old. Um, right. So it, it, was, it was good money and uh, I, I, I was ready. I, I was ready. I was confident. Okay. If you've ever known South Africans, we are very naturally confident. My neighbor's South African, the house we just moved to. I love the guy. He's, <laughs> I love the accent too. Yeah, that, well, it's good because we're going to be talking for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I literally just you know, got to London and uh, organized to go for the interview, got into the interview. And because I came from a broking sort of background, talking to people wasn't difficult for me. Okay, convincing, mm-hmm. you know, the, the head of HR that, look, you know, I'd be a good trader. I've got the understanding. Just give me the chance. Um, it, it was, it worked relatively well. I got a phone call as I left the office. Look, when can you start? Uh, and literally 10 days later, uh, I was starting on a prop trading floor. Wow. And that, that was it. That's how I came into trading. It wasn't something, you know, I think nowadays there's so much on YouTube, there's so much education, there's so much marketing around it that I can see how most people come to it through those channels. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say I was a born trader. I wasn't born a speculator. I think I was born where I was given or I had this understanding, I had this knowledge and, and sort of thirst for wanting to understand why does you know our central bank hike rates and that has implications for the currency. Why? Mm-hmm. And that kind of, I think that was, it was my curiosity that got me into trading. And if you look at sort of what has allowed me to be here now for what, and this is my 12th year and, and do well, is that curiosity. And I, I suspect we'll talk a little bit about that you know, later on when, you know, we talk about perhaps what do I think or maybe the characteristics that traders need. And I think curiosity is, is, is very important in that aspect. Uh, I think that's the first time I've heard somebody actually specifically call out that trait. Um, like a lot of, we've talked to a lot of uh, people who look for traders or uh, that do a lot of coaching. And one of the things that they find is like people who have athletic backgrounds is one mm-hmm. of the, one of the things they find commonality wise. Uh, military experiences, another one, like things that instill discipline, but curiosity is like the opposite of that almost. There is a reason for it. I don't want to touch on it too much now, mm-hmm. but I think what's happened, and, and I'll kind of lean on it now so we can come back to it later. I think what's happened over the sort of the last seven, eight years is, you know, there's been a real boom in retail trading. Okay. Yeah. But the yeah. problem is what traders are being fed is take this educational program and you can be a trader. Yeah. Use this trading platform with technical analysis and you can be a trader. You know, log in, yeah, pay a monthly subscription and you can code your own backtest moving average crossover and and you can be a trader. Mm -hmm. And that's problematic because it's that sort of, you know, do you give the man a fish or do you teach a man to fish? Now, I was taught how to fish. I wasn't given a fish. Okay. Mm -hmm. When, When we sat down on day one, this is 2011. Okay. There wasn't. There wasn't much in the way of retail trading. Okay, it was it was still a relatively young industry then. Hmm. But when we sat down, we had one monitor, and I'm not talking about 15, 19, 25, 32 inch <laughs> monitor. I'm talking about a box monitor, one of them. Yep. 
And all we had on that monitor was one ladder. Okay, so we had depth of markets. We we were taught to watch price. We didn't have technical analysis charts and profiles and, and all these bells and whistles. We had one ladder where we had to watch the price constantly ticking up and down. And we had one candle, or sorry, one market profile chart, which was a 30-minute time frame. Mm-hmm. That's all we had. We had nothing else. Nowadays, I look at young traders, six monitors, eight monitors. I'm looking at them going, that's not right. Not right now. You don't need that outlay right now. You'll need it at some point, sure. Uh, but you almost have to earn those stripes. And I think that's, you know, coming back to, you know, full circle, I think the, the big um, problem now is that, you know, trading is sold as this thing you can be taught. It's this sold as this sort of, you know, solution that can be provided to you. That's wrong. That's false. Uh, it's never been that way and it never will be that way. Okay. Trading is something you have to learn. You have to learn it through iteration. You have to learn it through sitting your ass down and doing some hard work. That's what trading is. It was that way when I started and it remains that way still today. It's it's such a shame that there's so many people out there marketing it as a just get rich quick. Like like you said, take this course and you'll be trading in uh, no time. Make $5,000 a day. Uh, it, it's all bullshit. Yeah, uh, yeah. We had. Do, do you know what? You know what I'd love to see, and I think it's something we, we're going to touch on this later uh, as well. Is I would love to see a you know uh, uh, where educators, for example, course educators, we do a pay-as-you-go model instead of a pay your thousand bucks up front. And how the pay-as-you-go model works is very simple. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you've got a twenty-hour course program and it costs whatever, let's say a hundred bucks. Okay, rather than you paying that 100 bucks on day one to get that course that eventually you never finish, you never complete, you never progress with, how about we pay five bucks per lesson and we break it up into 20 lessons? Okay, I love that. That way, the course educator is not offloading his risk on day one and just saying, look, everybody, I do this fancy marketing thing on YouTube. You all get sucked in. Uh, you all go and ultimately buy my course and, and I walk away two, three years from now and you all suck Yeah. No, what happens now is the incentives are, are being matched where the trader has to be looked after because guess what? If you drop him, if you don't answer his questions, if you don't guide him, guess what? After lesson three, he's done. He's no longer incentivized. If your course is rubbish, he's just going to stop your course. But if your course okay. is awesome and it's only $5 per lesson, he's going to binge all of them. There we go. There we go. And that's something that I think is really, really missing in our industry. Okay, And it's not just the educators. Okay, look, what I don't want this to sort of turn into is I'm not an educational course basher. Mm-hmm. Okay? I've developed three of my own courses. Education is vital. It's crucially vital. That goes without saying. As are you know, the front-end platforms, as are you know, the coaching. There are fantastic coaches out there. But what I want to see in the industry is a little bit of consolidation. And the way to consolidate is to say to the credible educators and coaches and you know, uh, providers of software, to say to them, Shift the risk slightly onto yourself. Yeah. Okay. Say to your traders, look, we believe in our product so much so that we are willing to stand behind it and share the risk with you. Where if you don't benefit and you don't progress, we're not going to just take our cut up front. Mm-hmm. We will take it as you progress with us. And that's really, I think that's something if we can if we can develop that within the industry. I think what you're going to firstly see is you're going to see that failure rate. You're going to see that definitely start to pull off. You're going to see a lot less disgruntled traders, you know, parting with uh, their money uh, in in unfortunate circumstances. Um, And you'll see just a general tidy up in the industry where the fluff will disappear. It'll go and do, you know, real jobs effectively. um, And the cream will rise to the top. And those coming into the industry are going to be much better served. 
I suspect that's what will happen. Um, and if there was sort of a, a board of uh, votes where we could all vote for this, that's something I would vote for, which is let's let's clean up the industry. Um, you know, <laughs> yes. the industry is growing and uh, it just needs a little bit of, um, of, of someone to drive it from the front. Um, I, I love that. You mentioned the attrition rate again there. You, you said that you thought that shifting the, the risk to the, the educators would also help with that. Why do you think that is? Two reasons. Um, I think the cost of trading at the moment is relatively high. Mm-hmm. So much so that when, what ends up happening is, and, and I see this a lot with traders when they reach out to me and they say, look, you know, I want to take, you know, for example, two of your course pro, or I want to take all three of your course programs, which, which one should I do first? And my instinctive response is stop. You don't need three course programs. Okay, you need one. The same as you don't need 10 strategies, you need one. Okay, you don't need three course programs. They are not going to solve your problems for you. What you do need is you need to dedicate yourself and focus towards one, develop one strategy. Uh, and then once you've kind of learned what you can from that point, then fine, start to add on a bit of education. Anyways, coming back, what ends up happening is because traders see that, you know, being a successful trader can generate you know, great revenues, etc. Mm-hmm. They are willing to give up such a significant percentage of their savings or their capital to get that solution. And the problem with that is that what you actually need to spend most of your capital on is learning in the markets. Mm-hmm. Okay? You need time in the markets. You need to be able to survive for at least 12 months. Now, if you're giving a lot of your chunk of capital away on day one, unfortunately, you know, what you're doing is you're cutting your legs in off. You're cutting your legs off ultimately. Right. By the time you got it figured out, you're out of money. <laughs> That's the problem. You know, if, yeah. you know, you mentioned earlier, what's, what's that one thing that, uh, or you, you know, you disciplined an athlete, you know, athletic right, trader right. to do well in terms of characteristics. One thing I've noticed and observed, I've never seen a trader that comes from a wealthy background fail. Okay. Really? Now that doesn't mean wealthy traders are intelligent or anything. It just means they've got a lot more time. And time is crucial, not just with trading with any skill. You know, it it goes without saying. I mean, I've seen some guys stick around for three years where mom and dad are are loaded with cash and they've made it not because necessarily they worked hard, but because they had that, they had so much rope to hang themselves. That's kind of the situation I'm in. Uh, I I left my job about two years ago to really focus on this and I managed to put away a really nice nest egg. So I've got probably another year or two of runway before i have to really runway it's yeah. everything so yeah i think i think runway is the big one that's problematic uh mm-hmm. in terms of the failure rate uh and then i think i i kind of touched on it i think the the problem is traders are again we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later but the way you have to think about trading is it's 50 50 okay not not enough people talk about this markets only go mm-hmm. up and down okay there's they can only go up and down and, and i suspect what happens is because there's so much out there. In other words, if you said to a trader on day one, you know, start, go, they wouldn't know where to go. What do they right. do a course program? Do they, you know, trade stocks? Do they trade options? Do they track fundamentals? Do they do automated? Do they do back to what are they supposed to do? There's a thousand and one things they can do. And what ends up happening is there's this idea that they have to do all of these things in order to be successful. And so mm-hmm. what they do is they're overcomplicated. And the problem is overcomplicated means you never actually learn anything. You never really become good at anything. You just have a lot of understanding of a lot of things. And I know so many traders, very intelligent people that know so much about the markets, but they cannot make money. 
and they'll never make money. Okay, and it's not because they don't have the know-how or the theory or the understanding. They know it all. Okay, they just cannot simplify to the point where they cannot get out of their own way. Okay, and this mm-hmm. this is the way to think about it. If the market only goes up and down, okay, by definition, in a very sort of simplistic way, it's a 50-50. Mm-hmm. Now, if so many people are failing, what it tells you is that people are doing themselves a disservice and they're actually shifting those odds against themselves, okay? For example, maybe they, I don't know, come in on a, on a you know, this morning, for example, we're recording on the, uh, I don't know if I can mention it, but yeah, you you can. Know, we're recording on the 24th of August, okay? And, you know, we've had NVIDIA earnings out last night and they were blockbuster, okay? Mm-hmm. And everyone's looking and going, wow, this is incredible. And then it's all over the news and social media and all these things. Now, everyone's coming into today. And if you don't trade NVIDIA, if you don't typically trade volatile events, what happens is you kind of get the sense of FOMO. So you come in and you're like, well, maybe I should trade it or maybe I should trade some AMD or maybe I should, you know, just step out of my lane and overcomplicate things. And suddenly they get sucked into doing something where they just skew the odds against what is normal. And I think those mm-hmm. two things combined, you know, the, the, the cost factor and, and sort of, you know, giving away your runway so cheaply, uh, as well as overcomplicating the natural odds of trading. I think those two combined, that's the big problem. That's what's causing, you know, traders n- to not get over the line, or at least for not enough traders to get over the line. The more that I've learned, the less it seems to be about the knowledge and more to be about just the the mental the mental aspect of trading. Like, can you take three losses in a row and still stay on strategy? Can you have a couple red losing days and still stay on strategy? Can you gotcha. wait patiently for your spot? Yeah, I'd say the word application. Application. It's application. I think what's crucial, you know, one of the one of the key lessons I've learned over my career is that trading does get easier. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and I'm I'm you know sure it's easy for me to say I'm I'm in year twelve, but if I showed you my performance from year zero to year twelve, you will see it does seemingly get easier in terms of you know returns year over year over year. Now that's got less to do about the account balance and more to do with the experience balance. And what do I mean by that? Mm. Okay. What happens as you grow as a trader, as you experience more environments, more, you know, scenarios, more different experiences, okay? And that inventory of understanding, ding, 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 we call that, I hate the word, but wisdom. (laughs) Lack of a better word, experiences culminate in wisdom. And all that happens over time is you stop making so many bad mistakes. You never never stop making mistakes. By the way, that happens even in year 12. Okay, I still get heart palpitations every now and again when things get volatile, <laughs> right? So you still make mistakes, but you make less mistakes. You also make them less frequently. Uh, and then also your good decisions that you make, you start to make more of those, but you also start to make you know, better good decisions. So you make sort of optimal good decisions. And that's key. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later, you know, when we move on to, to what Tradella is trying to do. But it is all just about... Decision making, eradicating poor decisions, minimizing the cost of those poor decisions, and ensuring that you're making as good a decision every single time. And when you're making good decisions, how do you optimize on that? Mm-hmm. Can I see this with a lot of professional traders? Is that they are good. I mean, we're talking seven, seven figure traders, and I'm, I'm not playing around here. These are guys that can make two, three, four, five million year after year after year. And what I sometimes say to them, I sometimes say to them, you're good. Make no mistake. You are good. The numbers don't lie. 
but how much better do you think you could be if you actually optimize your decisions? In other words, every time you're using that, I don't know, two, 3,000 launch you know, share position, imagine if you stayed in that trade optimally and you made that extra 10 cents every time on that sort of size positioning. Right. How much better do you think you'll be? How much meat are you leaving on the bone? And that for me, that for me is, is, is a really important uh, point to drive. I and mean, we'll, we'll touch a little bit up, upon that uh, later. And I think it, it's all about experiences and training does get easier. You have to trust that. Uh, I know it's easy to say, but it's like faith. Okay. You <laughs> have the faith that if you stick around, you work at your game, it does become easier. Okay. That much I can guarantee. Well, before we move on to, to talk about Tradello, I'd like to ask one other question. It's something that kind of came up with me today that I was able to notice when I was doing a review of the, the two trades that I took this morning. Uh, it revolves around biases. Uh, and I found myself when price was coming into a potential support, um, completely ignoring the context of the sell-off and the strength of that move and was blinded to this idea that that support would fail. Instead, I was only looking for reasons to enter a trade, not looking for the counter argument. How do you mitigate that? Like, How do you keep yourself in that mindset of looking looking at it from both sides of it, not getting locked in on one direction or the other? This, um, this reminds me of a story. I, I remember sitting with a trader in 2015 and we were sitting at a coffee shop in Broadgate Circus in, the, in uh, London. And I was talking to him about having a trade on and, you know, the market had come down in, in, in the German bonds and, you know, I kind of got a decent position on and then kind of started to go offside. So I just started to scale out, but I thought I'll just, I'll just leave a, a one lot on and I'll never forget what he said to me. He said to me, what do you mean, mate? Why, why are you leaving a one lot on now? One lot, if you're not uh, sort of uh, accustomed to the understanding of futures trading, it's the minimum increment you could trade in the market. Yeah. So, you know, 10 euros per, per tick. You know, it's something that's meaningless to me. It didn't mean anything to me. I was just like, oh, you know, make, make my ego feel good if it does come all the way back and does what I think it'll do. Hmm. And he said to me, and I'll never forget this. And I think this, this will touch upon what, what, you know, the whole concept of biases. When you have a position on, it doesn't matter how big or small that position on is. When you have a position on, you are locked in on a natural bias. And it's probably the mm -hmm. hardest thing ever to shake. And his response to me was, sure, maybe it comes back and maybe you save 300 bucks. But how much is that costing you in terms of being capable of seeing what the market's truly doing? Yes. And that stuck with me. Okay, that that was something that made me shift my understanding away from the subjective nature of trading towards what I would now say a pure objective approach to trading. And what do I mean by this? This will kind of come and answer your, you know, the whole understanding of how do you eradicate biases. Now, what I do want to say is that uh, some biases are healthy. Don't don't think of biases as a bad thing. Mm -hmm. uh, they can be healthy. They can be unhealthy. Um, you need to understand them. I think that's key with biases. You do need to understand your biases, understand how they impact you. Uh, if they have got sort of a significant cost drawdown as a result, then you need to do something about them. Okay, mm -hmm. But rather than trying to sort of get rid of your biases, you need to learn to live with them and manage them and, and make sure you're aware of them. That's, that's the real key to biases. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, to answer your question as to how do you manage biases, we use a very objective approach to trading. Now, I think the best way to illustrate this is just to tell you how I trade. It's very simple. Okay. I create what we call contextual signals. Okay. Now, the example I'm going to use seems we, we can throw the date out there. Today's the 24th of August. Yesterday on the 23rd of August, WTI oil, okay, which is the futures contract for oil, it effectively put in what we call contextually a V reversal. In other words, we go and codify 
we want to see when there is a high volume uh, sort of instance in the market combined with a high level of absorption mm-hmm. from either the buyers or the sellers. And there is a significant two-way volatility within price. When we see those three factors together, we effectively go and signal it automatically. Okay, It's mm-hmm. not controlled by me. It's code that automatically signals you have got this context that we are going to label as a V reversal. Okay. Okay. Now, when I come in in the morning, I'm not looking at a chart going, there was support I want to buy or there's resistance I want to sell. What I'm looking at is there's a signal that tells me from a very simple backtest that when this signal occurs, there is a high probability that price will move in one direction or the other. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, if I know there's a high probability that price is going to move in one direction or the other, it doesn't mean I'm guaranteed to win. No. But what it does mean is that I can now formulate an objective approach to taking on that trade. I can be long the market. I can buy the market as it was you know, on the 24th of August today. I can be long that market because of that signal. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'll stay long that market so long as it doesn't go beyond a cert- certain point which is what we call objective execution uh, management, which again, we can, we can get into that if we need to. But my point is, and this is the stress, uh, this is what I want to stress, biases will occur all the time. What you have to do is you have to put in place certain protocols, certain processes that are going to mitigate the impact of that. In other words, sure, when I get that contextual signal that comes out that says you need to buy oil as is the instance I'm explaining to you, Okay, I've got a buy, so I want to be long. But it's statistically backtested, number one. And number two, the execution methodology I apply to that has got a stop put where the trade is invalidated. Mm-hmm. In other words, once that trade hits that stop, that trade's gone. Okay, there is no ability for me to be biased in that trade because everything is driven through objective data. That's the real key to managing any bias. Understand the data. Make sure you've got a process in place that can just manage those biases and mostly just mitigate the risks that come with those biases. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, S-P-U-L-L-E-N at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. That was very, I did not expect that in-depth of a, an answer. I love it. Uh, can you, uh, what were the three signals you said you look for again? Two-way volatility? So the, well, the trade strategy is called the V-reversal. I think um, I think many of you users would have, uh, that have followed me for, you know, perhaps on, on uh, YouTube or whatever, you would have heard me talk about this. But the, the three sort of, we call them variables or parameters that define that context is high volume, a high level of absorption, as well as 
uh, a high amount of volatility within price. Mm -hmm. Okay, Volatility doesn't mean directional. It means just a lot of two-way change in price. So those three factors combined, you can create a contextual signal called a V-reversal. Okay. Um, now there are you're starting to see this more. Okay, this is this is something I'm I'm quite proud of, and 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 I'd like to think I was. I hate the word pioneer, but I'm the same <laughs> because I can't think of a, a a similar word. Early adopter. How about? Okay, so I was one of the early adopters of effectively this idea of day traders, discretionary traders taking their trade ideas, codifying them to signal some form of contextual understanding of the market. Mm -hmm. okay, now, we're not talking about, you know, um, uh, automating and going into algorithmic trading. No, 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 no. What you do is, as a discretionary trader, you've got a number of very good ideas. Okay, If you spend all your hours watching price, you've got a good understanding as to when markets move and how they move and what you think's making them move. So all you need to do is go and create a little bit of code to signal out that instance. Because guess what? Once you can signal out that instance, you are 100% objective in terms of what is making you buy and sell the market. Mm -hmm. And that puts you in a very powerful position. Now, what I will tell you, caveat, what you are going to find, because you're talking about biases, you are going to realize very quickly that every trader struggles from something called overconfidence bias. Okay? <laughs> the reality is your trades are a lot shittier than what you think. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> yep. Okay. They're not that good. They genuinely are not. Um, I, I, as a trader, we have to be sort of an eternal optimist. Otherwise, we wouldn't be very good speculators. Right. Um, but it does kind of, you know, almost put a lump on your throat. We're like, oh, wow. I hadn't realized. <laughs> I hadn't realized it, it doesn't even have an edge. <laughs> um, but from that point, what you have to be brave enough to recognize is that contextual signals are not about automating. Contextual signals are about enabling you to understand when there is a period in which you have got some price directional bias. Okay, our job as traders, and this is something that maybe I can kind of stress to a lot of your viewers, don't worry about forecasting. Okay, that, that we should leave to the, the, the smart people with the crystal balls uh, or unless you've got an extremely deep pocket. Okay, if you've got a really big bank balance, by all means, Take a view on oil over the next year and put a trade on. Go for it. Have a crack. Okay. Right. But if you are a trader and you want to develop a career as a trader, what you have got to quickly understand, and the best way to explain this is if you can visualize uh, a sort of a probability curve. Okay. So we've got an X and a Y axis. Mm -hmm. And what you want to ultimately visualize is if you were to look at the ability of the market to move a, a, a sort of a certain distance. Okay. Now I'm going to. I'm going to use a, a market like NVIDIA because it's in the news. Okay. okay. So if you were to look at NVIDIA and say, what is the probability of me getting a $20 move today versus a $1 move today? What you'll see is that probability curve sort of starts, if we were to sort of you know, have our X and Y axis, it starts very high up in terms of probability when we're looking for a small winner. Mm -hmm. And the moment we're looking for very big winners, that probability pretty much gets close to zero. Okay? In other words, from an opportunity scope perspective, you've got a lot of things you can be doing taking, I don't want to call it scalp trades, but ultimately looking for those $5 winners versus looking for those $20 winners. Right, okay. the smaller base hits instead of the home run. Exactly. One of the best quotes uh, that I actually stole from a triathlete, but I kind of twisted it into a trading quote, which was, you don't make a year of 
you know, one or two home runs, you make a year off 40 to 50 really good trades. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, that's what it comes down to. It's just about being consistent, rocking up every day. The markets go through phases. Okay. What will happen is January, February this year was dry. I remember it. I was down. I was miserable. I was annoyed. I was like, I hate this job. It's so unfair. You know, life sucks. <laughs> and, you know, the NASDAQ just keeps rallying every day, even though we're in a recession, depression, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then March comes along and things open up. You understand things a bit better. You time things a bit better. You get back to that sort of structured objective trading. And suddenly you make the losses back. Suddenly you make some money. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's trading in a nutshell. It's not it's not coming in every day looking for those 100 pip winners. That's rubbish. That's, again, it's marketing. Um, it doesn't work that way. All right, how the markets work, and, and I'm, I've mentioned oil. Um, you know, we were in back in, in sort of late July, you know, we were very sort of focused, you know, in our um, in our community chat about the oil market. And, and oil was the market that kept on giving. It just rallied day after day after day after day. Now, that's unusual. Markets don't do that normally. But the price action was so good for a period of four, five, six weeks. Okay, And that's when you have to capitalize. You have to make the most of that. And then guess what? Then it gets tough again. Right? But remember, we came back to the whole idea of experiences and wisdom. Mm-hmm. Wisdom teaches you that, you know, when the periods are good, you make the money. And when things get tough, you tighten up. Okay. You take those smaller losses and you go back into a miserable mode where you moan to your wife every night. Oh, I lost money again today, honey. <laughs> the reality is you're effectively just breaking even until that next sort of, you know, good run of form comes comes into play. Uh -huh. um, so, yeah, uh -huh. that, that maybe answers the question of the biases and, and how you manage them. Well, uh, you teased it quite a bit, but let's talk about what's going on over at Tradelo. So you started this, what, uh, what about two years ago now? <laughs> do you want to know how Tradelo started? Yes. I think that's probably the yes, fun Yes, I one. do. <laughs> so Tradelo was founded with, with uh, my business partner. He wasn't my business partner when this was, was developed. Okay, What Tradelo was, was it was a risk application built for me. Okay, So uh, I uh, found a consulting firm that could build for me uh, a risk program because I was pretty shit at managing risk. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the truth of it. It was that thing I felt was holding me back in my career because what would happen was I would get this bit of consistency going. I'd get that momentum going. You know, I'd start to see some really good, you know, sort of gains in terms of equity and then the overconfidence comes and then that brief moment of craziness where you do the yeah. craziest thing in hindsight and if you were to show any trader they're looking, you're like, dude, you're fucking crazy. What happened that day? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'd have those moments once every month, once every two months. And I just thought, look, enough is enough. I can't keep sacrificing my momentum like that every time because then I have to spend the next two, three weeks getting it back. And don't get me wrong, by the way, um, I, I'm a firm believer in, you know, when you do have big significant drawbacks, when I have them now, I'm pretty good at getting it back mm -hmm. okay? because I've been through that thing so many times that I've got a coping mechanism to manage it. Okay. Hmm. Uh, and, and the way to think about this, I, I always laugh. My, my, my brother's still back in South Africa. And for those of you who play golf, my, my brother's pretty, pretty average at golf. And he, he tends to find himself in the bushes quite a lot. <laughs> now, one of the things that absolutely is mind boggling is he can hit the most incredible shots from the bushes. Uh -huh. Like he can pull off any shot from the bushes. And it's not because he's got unnatural ability or skill he's practiced there a lot he spends so much damn time in the bushes <laughs> that he gets naturally good at it yeah. it's the same thing in trading okay the only reason i can work myself out of a hole is because i've had to do it so many damn times that i've now got 
a protocol, a coping mechanism. It's something when I have a big blowout day, I stop, I pull out an A4 piece of paper that's got a very specific set of things I need to follow. Mm -hmm. Because when I follow that, what it means is that rather than me taking four weeks to get the last back, I can now do it in four, five, six sessions to get it back. Okay. Is there any reason why you don't pull out that piece of paper uh, before the blow up? No, unfortunately, this is a coping oh, okay. mechanism for doesn't... coming back from a drawdown. <laughs> now, coming back to the whole risk management side of things, I was pretty bad at it. This application was built for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was built with me in mind. I project planned it, I developed the tool, and I had the company created for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, at that point, I was at a, a, a prop firm in London, and a number of the traders I was talking to them about it. They were using it. And they said, look, dude, you've got something. Now. This is this is pretty cool. This is, you know, it makes me feel like I'm in control of my risk. Hmm. It makes me feel less emotional because I don't have to think how many shares to buy, how many futures contracts to buy or sell. It's automated. It literally just spits it out. Okay. And the feedback what we got was very much that it makes people feel they're in control. It makes them less emotional and it gives them a sense of structure. Okay. Now... I've been doing this job for a long, long time. The things we struggle with the most as traders is that we live in an environment of pure uncertainty. Mm. Nothing is certain in our job. Absolutely nothing. So if you can control the things that are within your control, including risk management, what you're doing is you're removing one uncertainty from the equation. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes you feel in control. It's not a magic formula or anything special. It's just simply having the ability to control as many of the things that you can control. Okay? And that's ultimately how Tradella was born because the feedback then said, well, look, what about if you guys built this tool because I'm struggling with this problem and I want to solve this problem? And so I looked at the consultancy firm then and I said, <laughs> this is the feedback. What do you guys want to do? I mean, uh-huh. I'm, I'm trading. What do you guys want to do? And they said, well, we're a consultancy firm. We build solutions for companies and other people we don't you know we don't know anything about trading all we know is we faced you and you built we built something for you right i said to him okay let's let's entertain it let's build a journaling tool because traders were telling us they use their evernotes they go and type up all these notes and they include all these charts and they never use them again so i said well yeah that's a bit dumb actually so how about (laughs) you guys build me a tool of an interactive journal that uses quantitative data crunching that can then take all that data from all that journaling you do and when you are in a trade, it can spit that data to you at the perfect time when you need that data. And so the traders went, wow, that now solves the problem of where should I put my stop? Yeah. What target should I be looking for? You know, what sort of a percentage risk should I be taking on trades? How should I enter? Should I be passive? Should I be aggressive? And all of a sudden, a trader would then come and say, okay, but you know what? I found I'm, you know, I've got, uh, I'm struggling to understand where I'm making all these mistakes. You know, I feel like I'm not progressing as a trader. Mm-hmm. So it's okay, well, hang on a sec. Let's talk about progress. What is progress for you? And they would say, okay, well, position size. Okay, here's the perfect example. The reality is progression equals position sizing. If, if your position sizing has been the same for the last three, four, five years, the reality is, I hate to be honest with you, you're not progressing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what we did was we created a tool that ultimately shows you your progression over time with regards to position sizing. And the objective is to get that chart going up and to the right. Mm-hmm. As simple as that. So we created a whole number of data visualization charts for traders where they could very quickly go and nail down what are the things that are costing them money. Because if you know what's costing you money, you know what you need to stop doing. And if you know what uh-huh. you need to stop doing, suddenly you make money. And this comes kind of full circle as to what 
Tradello's aim became in the end. It was never, it was built as a risk protocol for me. Remember that? Yes. But what ended up happening was it became a product that was solving problems for traders. Now, solving problem doesn't mean you don't lose money. I must stress that. <laughs> what solving problems means is that these guys that go on YouTube and say, let me tell you about the time I blew out five trading accounts and how to solve it in three easy steps. That's all rubbish. <laughs> Okay, what this tool does is it will never allow you to blow out an account in the first place. Okay, uh -huh. what this tool does is it ensures that every single day you debriefing. So you're iterating through your decision making process. What does that do? It helps you develop the skill of pattern recognition, of understanding why you do the certain things you do. And that was the result. It became a product that was solving traders' problems. The result and byproduct of that is traders were making less and less bad decisions, more and more good decisions. Okay, moreover, they were getting to that point that took me two years. They were getting traders to that point after six to 12 months. In other oh, words, wow. you're still going to lose money as a trader. The reality is you're going to learn a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. It's steep in the learning curve. How did it do that? Because guess what? You make less mistakes, you make more good decisions. And the result is you see that break even quicker, but then you also see that sort of, you know, steepness in the equity curve. That is ultimately that sort of the timeline of what Tradello did over the last two and a half years. Now, we were a little critical on some of the different educators out there, but uh, I think you guys have education as well too, don't you? Yeah, so look, the, the, the Tradello solution is, you know, it, it wants to change the game. Okay? I very purposefully measured, mentioned right in the beginning that we do want to challenge the industry of trading to move away from putting the risk on traders and start sharing the risk with traders. Okay. Mm -hmm. So go to the website, tradella.com and you will see it says there in big bold, we provide a cost effective solution for traders. That's what it is because what it's saying is you can have all these trading tools that solve common trading problems. Okay. We can steep the learning curve. Moreover, mm -hmm. we'll give you all the education included. Okay. Stop paying thousands of dollars away for education. You don't need to do that. Okay, come into a model where it's pay as you pay as you go effectively. Okay, if you don't like an educator, don't consume his education. Right, if you want a coach yeah. that is sort of vetted and credible and that's adding value to the traders, the reality is if no one uses that coach, that coach won't be on the platform. Okay, so it's very much coaching with your feet. If you don't like the education, that education won't be on the platform. If you don't like the coach, it won't be there. So yes, education's included in it. We've got brokerage services that are included. We've got uh, trader funding that's included. And we've, we've even got our own Sim to Live uh, challenge where we say to traders, okay, I get traders need trader funding. I do get that, okay? And I think there is, um, there is a need for trader funding and I think they are providing a good product. Um, however, paying away and doing a test five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times is nonsensical, okay? What you need to be doing is take the Sim to Live challenge with Intradella because it's absolutely free. You can take it as many times as you want. When you pass it, okay, the reality is we want to back you. If you can pass that test, you should be trading in a live environment and we want to back you at that point. But again, this comes back to what I was saying. We're not going to take the thousand, five and a two, three thousand bucks off you first for you to prove yourself that you then deserve to be backed as a trader. So it's again, it's just shifting the risks a little bit more evenly, okay? I don't want to be the person that says businesses shouldn't make money. They should because they take risks and it's extremely difficult setting up a business, okay? It's 
it's for anyone out there uh, that that's ever done a business full respect to you. Okay. It's hard damn work. So, but it's more about sharing those risks. Okay. Because if we share those risks, what we're going to see in the industry is the failure rate is going to start to come back, which means more traders are going to survive and ultimately thrive, which means the industry gets bigger. Okay. Which means that the very services that, you know, people are providing, there'll be more demand for it. Okay. So that's kind of, uh, you know, in a nutshell, ultimately, um, you know, what Trudella is trying to do. And the other aspect is we, we do have our own online community. Okay. I think mm-hmm. one of the things that was very important in my career as a trader, um, I got to see what was possible. Okay. I'll never forget. Uh, it was 2013 and there was a trade we did on the floor then called month ends. It was very, very profitable. Mm-hmm. And we were the young grad group at that point. I was almost two years in, into to sort of trading. And I'll never forget the risk manager called us all over. There was about nine or 10 of us. And he said, okay, come here, guys. I want to show you something. And he wasn't supposed to do it, but he turned on the risk screen. And I'll never forget what I saw. I've got a picture of him on my old iPhone 4. There were two guys that had made 700. It was, one was 755,000 sterling. The other one was 775. Oof. And there was a that had 475. One day? Not even in one oh, day. Okay. In about six minutes. Wait, what? In about six minutes. Oh, my God. And <laughs> I'll never forget looking at it because I thought to myself, wow, that that kind of money is possible. It, it's real. Okay, for me at that point, I think I was making 100 bucks a day, 150 bucks a day. And that was like, wow, I'm, I'm having a good day. Yeah, right. Um, but no, it was it was very, very real. And I think that's something that if traders can be exposed to a lot more, they'll really start to see the point of trading. And this is something I want to stress. If you're doing trading because you want to generate a nine to five income, what I would say to you is stop trading and go work a nine to five. Mm-hmm. I promise you longer term, you're going to be much, much happier. Okay. Trading is a very, very hard discipline. It requires a significant amount of sacrifice. Okay. Now, if you are willing to make that sacrifice, you have to pay yourself for it. You've got to pay yourself for it. Okay. You should not be earning anything less than 200 grand a year mm-hmm. because otherwise it's not worth it all right so what i would stress and say to traders is you've you've got to see the potential in trading it's got genuinely the limits are set by you okay as to how big you can go those limits are ultimately set by you so yeah i think um for me community is very important uh, we have got our own leaderboard mm-hmm. we've got our own game formats where we actually play each other in different game formats uh so we you know we throw around around the common currency which is called habit coin it's a digital currency that we uh use within the the ecosystem where we can tip each other for trade ideas and all that sort of stuff oh cool Um, the point is is that trading when you can see inside what other traders are doing when you can actually see hey look this guy made five percent today return on his capital that means I can do it, mm-hmm. okay? As well as, hey, you know what? Everyone's up today, which means I should have been making money. Or, you know, hey, this guy, this ambassador, he was trading Apple stock today. Why wasn't I trading Apple stock today? When you've got that ability to see into what you believe is a credible trader, that is extremely, extremely powerful for traders, okay? I, I cannot stress it enough. I say, I say it because I've experienced that, okay? When I saw what was possible, it really did change my perspective on what trading is uh, and, you know, from that day point, that point forward, you know, I changed as a trader. Um, so, yeah, lots of game formats, lots of community, um, lots of fun. Well, it's interesting you point to the 
the seeing the potential. And I think that there's a lot of communities out there that are only showing that. And mm-hmm. that can be a problem too, where you never see the downside. When when everybody's always making money in the room every day and you're not, you start to question well, start to question some things. I do believe we've solved that problem. And I think you're spot on there, which is mm-hmm. there is a lack of credibility in our industry. Um, I, I think too many people are talking about you know, hey, I put on that options, you know, I, I took out those puts in the video and I'm a multimillionaire today. Um, right. What, what we do is our, our leaderboard has got two segments. Okay. We've got everybody, which includes some traders and live traders, and we've got mm-hmm. live traders. Okay. And our live traders all vetted. Okay. Because at the end of the day, they're coming through their own brokerage. So it's real. It's real performance. It can't, <laughs> can't be cheated. It's not fake. It can't be faked because it's coming from your broker. It's not coming from, you know, your own, um, it's not coming from you. It's not, yeah. You... <laughs> I, think, I think that's that's awesome. It, it's really good to be in an environment where you know everyone is authentic. Okay, and I think that that is the key. That and willing to share even the struggles too, I think, is yeah. is important. Yeah, and and I mean, you know what? I think one of the fortunate positions I'm in because I act as a mentor towards a lot of the younger guys. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the fortunate positions I'm in is I get to hear about the struggles firsthand. And mm-hmm. I think what's, what's a, I want to say a privilege is I get to share, just like I've shared some of my coping mechanisms with you today. Yeah. I get to share those exact coping mechanisms. Look, when I have a big drawdown, I feel just like you. Okay. And yeah. I felt like crying many times in my career. Heck, I, I remember Fridays, you know, I never forget it. 2012, four up days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you're a bit tired, you're a bit exhausted, you lose your whole week in one day. And I was like, I used to cry uh, fucking home. I remember I was like, this is stupid. This job's dumb. I mean, why, why would anyone do this? <laughs> when you can relate, when, you know, someone that's been doing this for three years, that's kind of just getting past that sort of, you know, break even point, when they can relate and look up and say, you know, look, Brennan, and fuck, thanks for sharing that with me. You know, that that's kind yeah. of unlocked just, just maybe the little bit of understanding I need right now in my career. Mm-hmm. That for me is, uh, it's very empowering. Okay. Make no mistake. If you ever ask a mentor why they do it, I promise you <laughs> it's not for the, the habit coins I receive. It, it genuinely is that you, you get to look back very fondly. Uh, you get to help traders, you get to see them progress. Um, and you get to see many of them become bigger than what I am. Okay. There are many traders that I've mentored that are now making substantially more money than what I am. Um, oh, that's uh, awesome. It's, um, yeah, I think, I think community is important. I think you've got to be in a community where it's credible. Um, and when you do find good mentors, my goodness, hang on to them, hang on to them, ride it as long as you can, uh, and, and take what you can from it. Oh, well said, well said. I don't know that I can really follow that up with anything good. So maybe it's time to wrap this thing up, huh? Awesome. Awesome. No, it's been, been a lot of fun. Um, and if, if I may, yes, you know, I think I was asked a question on, uh, from one of our traders the other day in our community, he said to me, "What advice would you give if you know to a trader that's been doing this for three years?" And I, I kind of think you know there, there's there's a few sort of really important moments in my career where there there was advice I would part to traders, and I, I'll tell you why I think mm-hmm. it's important as well because I think my, many traders will relate to it. Okay, and I'm going to kind of go chronological order. Was in the beginning of my career. Okay, I, I told you the story of. Coming from South Africa, I had my significant cash bundle. Um, the reality was that ran out very quickly. Um, and I had to really kind of you know, eat humble pie because I genuinely believed I'd be making significant amounts of money after six months. 
Okay, so I don't think anybody would dive into this path yeah. without that belief. Uh, well, you know, and <laughs> I just I want to stress that just be holistic. Okay, make sure you set your expectations right on day one. Okay, you've got to mm-hmm. give yourself eighteen to twenty four months of this, and that doesn't just include sort of being able to stay motivated for that long. You've got to make sure you got the runway. Okay, cash. You need that money yeah. to survive two years, and you need everybody on board with you. Okay, everyone's mm-hmm. got to believe in what you're doing for at least two years. Okay. Um, the next one is nothing's ever a hundred percent certain. Okay. Unfortunately, the art of speculation is accepting that it's never a hundred percent certain. Okay. So never, ever, ever bet as if it's a hundred percent certain. Okay. And I think too many traders, like I said to you, we bet with overconfidence in mind. Okay. If you think your trade is, you know, 50-50 likely to win, I'd say it's probably closer to 25% likely to win. Okay, we do have a natural overconfidence bias. Mm-hmm. So my second one is nothing's 100% certain. Don't ever bet as if it is. Um, then probably the most important one, and this is how I answered that question uh, that I was asked. What's the number one piece of advice I'd give to traders? I would very comfortably say that 99% of traders are overcomplicating trading. And I mean that genuinely. Wow. You're making it far too complicated for yourself. Okay. It's a very simple job. Okay? It's a buy and it's a sell. It goes up and it goes down. If you made just, I don't know, 10 prices a day and you do that with some decent leverage over a period of time, those numbers accumulate significantly. Okay, so just keep that in mind. And moreover, you know, this is something that, that we kind of solved in terms of the risk management side. So, you know, I think of better. You don't have yeah. to, you know, you don't have to control your own position sizing. Okay, your position sizing should always be a factor of your account balance. Yep. So if you're taking care of that account balance over time, your position sizing will take care of itself. And that compounds on itself because as the account grows, the position size grows bigger. And as the position size grows bigger, it puts more into the account and then it just literally compounds itself. Right. Um, I've got two more and I've mentioned one of them. It does become easier. Okay, I promise you uh, it does become easier simply because you're going to make a lot less bad decisions and you're going to make a lot more good decisions. So don't forget that. Stick around and, and your your time will come. Okay, Make no mistake. Um, and then the last one, and I think this one's maybe something that not many, many traders would have experienced. Mm-hmm. But just keep in mind that making money does create distractions. Okay, it's It's something I've struggled with throughout my career, which is you'll make some money and it will distract you in so many ways. Okay. I mentioned to you moving to Portugal yeah. and trust me, I, I, I love it. Yeah. It's an incredible place, but it was a massive distraction. <laughs> For six months, I'm trying to figure out how do I open a bank account? I'm trying to figure out how do I, I don't know, Google translate that I need a doctor's appointment or a dentist's appointment. All of those distractions are always going to hinder your performance. Okay. I, I cannot stress enough that environment is everything in trading. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I laugh sometimes and say, do you know what the best environment for a trader is? Where? Put them in the worst, most boring, shittiest, ugliest town in the middle of nowhere with no pretty girls or guys oh. if you're a lady trader <laughs> and give them no money, make them live in a flat, kind of make them eat the same food every single day, give them one trading screen and just simplify their environment so there's no distractions. So they, because guess what? They need to send you to Wales. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you haven't got any wild listeners. I haven't either, but I figured that was low-hanging fruit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the, the less distractions you can create yourself, uh, the better environment you've got. Just remember that money does create distractions. So yeah, that would be my, for lack of a better word, pearls of wisdom. I, I love that. Um, 
I, I was wrong. I stand corrected. You could top the what we thought we were ending with. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Brannigan, for for taking the time here. Um, I know it was kind of just a cold reach out. Uh, um, the I, I'm humbled that you you took the time to come and share some of this wisdom with me and and our listeners. And thank you. Well, yeah, thank you for reaching out. And um, yeah, good luck to everyone in their, their careers of traders. You know, the more uh, the more people we can bring over to the dark side, the better. <laughs> right. Well, hopefully we can do this again some uh, sometime in the future. But unfortunately, we have come to the end of our time. But that is no reason to be upset because as Brannigan had mentioned earlier, there is a wealth of information and tools that you can check out at tradelo.com. And that is spelled tradelo.com. Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode but feeling empty inside and wanting more, please go check out our guest directory. You can see all the other amazing people we've had the pleasure of speaking with. All those links are going to be in the episode description. We'll be back with another exciting episode soon. But until then, share this episode with your friends like Zap Brannigan did when he made it with a woman and take care. In Colorado, you can legally gamble in Blackhawk, Central City, Cripple Creek, and licensed online sports betting. Protect our communities. Learn more at playlegitco.com. A message from the Colorado Division of Gaming. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. in a china shop is an entertainment program and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company they are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product it is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading if you make trades based on what you hear in this show you assume all risks for those trades